0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Getting really used to recording from the bedroom. I think once this whole thing is done, I'm going to keep this thing going. (laughs) Let's just keep doing the bedroom ones.
1: I don't know, because every time we've recorded a bedroom one is the night that our kids don't sleep well. Like Normally, they're pretty good, but lately, every time we go to record after they go to bed, one of us has to sneak out at some point during the recording to go deal with a screaming child, and then that person comes back and has no idea what's going on in the conversation. So I think we need our office. I think there's a reason we have an office. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't
0: know. What do I know?
1: Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And we're doing a more lighthearted episode tonight. Um, things are just really heavy in the world right now, which they're supposed to be. And it's okay that everyone's feeling the things they're feeling. But we decided to have a guest on to talk about something a little bit lighter, like it actually lighter. It doesn't have
0: to be light, by the well, way.
1: Well, we can get heavy. We can get deep. <laughs> We can get all the things.
0: Well, especially if the last one we recorded, it hasn't been out yet, but we had someone on who is like way into, for lack of a better word, conspiracies, theories and stuff yeah. like that. And so surrounding all of this COVID-19, it was a it was a mind-blowing kind of, and I'm like, can I even publish this? I don't even know if I can. Yeah,
1: we haven't yet because we're not sure what to do with it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we have Tracy on tonight, who is a registered massage therapist and the owner of Thera. Is it Thera Float and Massage or Thera Massage and Float? Thera Float and Massage. Float and Massage. Awesome. So um, there was an episode that came out. Oh, it was a long time ago now. I should have looked that at That was another bedroom
0: one. That was a bedroom
1: one. Yeah. That involved but- a
0: lot of wine, I think. <laughs>
1: Uh, a float place not far from where I practice had reached out to me and offered me the opportunity to come and check it out for free. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. This will be a great sort of cross referral system. You know, I'm sure a lot of my clients would be really interested in this. And so I took the guy up on his offer. I went to his place. I did the free float. And I tried to connect with him afterwards to see, you know, let's talk. Like I'm a registered massage therapist, I'm in your neighborhood, and he ghosted me multiple times. So um Oh looks like looks like all my business is coming to you, Tracy.
0: (laughs) Is he still open that day?
1: Things happen for a reason.
2: They do. So I don't get it. You floated with him and then that was it? Yeah, he sent he
1: sent me an email and it was It was very personal. So I thought maybe he reached out to me because I'm a massage therapist, but I got an email offering me a free float for myself and a friend. And so initially. Did you find
0: out how he found you or no?
1: I tried. I tried reaching out to this guy multiple times. And so you just said
0: yes and then showed up without asking any of that information? Correct, sir. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the things you do for free shit eh? Unbelievable. Well, okay
1: let me let me rewind a little bit hey, I got a hey lady email. You, want, you want
0: to just come over no huh? stop okay I sure no question and
1: it's oh you God. know it talked about uh what floating is the benefits of floating and like I said he's super close to me it's probably less than a 10 minute drive from where my clinic is or clinic where I practice. And I thought, okay, he must be sending this to me because I'm a RMT in the neighborhood. Because part of the email talked about how massage therapy and floating were really complementary to each other. So I thought that was why he was offering me the free float. So I responded to the email saying, yes, I want to do this. And then the contact that was at the bottom of the email, his contact number, I called and I left him a voicemail. And he sent me a message back saying, please contact my staff at the location. When I contacted them, they just booked my appointment and I tried I'm reaching out already. to him multiple wait, 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 time times. I,
0: he didn't talk to me. He sent you a message from his personal email, not his business email. Yes. And then he's like, Okay, we'll just contact <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. that guy needs business one on right.
1: So anyway, the point is wow. then I wanted to have him on the podcast even to talk about floating because it was such say, a like, hey dude. It was such the a fuck? cool experience. So I wanted to have him on, but he ghosted me multiple times. So my friend and I, who I took floating, because as I was about to say, I offered it to Mark initially. And um, if you've Wait, ever you listened to that episode, yeah, he's he's terrified of the whole thing. So I brought a friend, and we Rightfully recorded. So, by the way, we recorded <laughs> about our experience. So it's really cool to have you here, Tracy, because you can actually give us some insight as to what floating is, maybe some history, maybe some benefits, whatever that I was trying to get out of this other. Business owner who ignored me multiple times. <laughs>
0: business one hundred one. We have a course. Do wow. if you want to take it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. So let's start right at the beginning. I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the listeners. Who you are, how long you've been at RMT, and when you decided to open up your current practice and how this became your niche. Because floating is something I'd never heard about before. This random guy emailed me.
2: Yeah, it is pretty unique. I mean, it is growing quite a bit. Um, I've been practicing for seven years now, and I've worked at multidisciplinary clinics. I've worked at spas. I worked from my home. Um, I built my own home practice. I left everything. I decided that I'm the type of person who really likes to work for myself, and I want to give it a go and see how it would be if I just took my entire practice and went to my home. So I started practicing out of my home. And after about two years, I grew a pretty large clientele to the point that I didn't want to work out of my home anymore. It wasn't a home.
0: Was it easy for you to build a clientele out of your house? Like, did you find that easy to do?
2: You know, my saving grace was referrals. Um, I'm not huge on social media. I'm trying to get better for my business. Um, But the way that I built my clientele was word of mouth. And, you know, I just didn't want to have anyone into my home at the same time. Being a female practitioner, um, I didn't want to just put a sign up outside saying, Sosh, here. You know, it's kind of random. And, so it took time it took about a year and a half to two years and it built up to that 150 200 clients
1: wow that's nice. that's amazing and that was all yeah. referral like did you do any kind of traditional advertising any kind of promotions like when Mark says was it easy for you to build a practice it's because we do hear of a lot of practitioners who go off on their
0: own like you did or they're completely scared to go off on their own and
1: and then struggle yeah. like they just can't get people through their door so was there anything else you did or did you just have like a kick-ass referral system
2: it's Sounds like I'm being oh I'm just so great, but it's not even that. I'm far from ego based, and it takes a lot of hard work. I've got um, a corporate background, so I've done sales and marketing. I used to be a sales uh, trainer in my past life, so I have that to my advantage, and I have a little bit more of the business side to my advantage as well too. So it took me a little bit of time, and to get rid of that fear base when I walked out of my last clinic that I worked at, it wasn't because I was disgruntled. It wasn't because I had had it with working in a clinic setting I just wanted to do something on my own. Mm-hmm. I was tired of doing stuff for other people. And I thought, why not do it? Can
1: we talk a little bit about your past life? What yeah, was your, what was your sales yeah. and business experience? Because I also, before getting into healthcare, my past life was completely sales. And I remember saying to somebody once, unfortunately, I'm a salesperson.
0: Why? Unfortunately, why'd you say it
1: like that?
2: Yes, I know exactly what she you're knows. saying. Okay. Like, she knows. I Someone, know. Someone like tell me you why. We feel like you're being dirty almost. It's like, yeah, I'm going to sell this to you. Yeah, like it's because very... it, you, when
1: you're good at sales, you're good at sales. And I was actually quite good at it. And it got yeah. to a point where I did feel like I was being a little bit manipulative. Were you being manipulative though? Um, I think by the end and why I left the sales world because I was, I wasn't being genuine. Whereas now with massage therapy, I'm I'm the same as Tracy. I work by myself. Clients only come to me via referrals and I do all right. Um, not because I'm the greatest RMT in Ontario, because I'm probably far from it, but I have a way of talking to people. And at least now what I'm quote selling them is something I genuinely believe in.
2: And that's huge. Yeah, and, and that was the same reason why I left the corporate sales position that i had i traveled across canada
0: were you losing your soul in that job
2: huge Mm. huge um my career started in wellness over 30 years ago i was a personal trainer i managed fitness clubs became a regional trainer I train salespeople and, and the biggest thing that I did we work is, together? Oh my God. This is like you're doo, 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 doo.
0: <laughs> When you say sales now and you're coming from a fitness place, I, was I totally, totally yeah. get what you say now when you say it feels dirty. It and does. Now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it because I know that industry very fucking well.
1: And I did that as well, the the corporate training and actually teaching people how to sell and that part felt really slimy to me because I'm like, now I'm training you to manipulate people. Like not only am I doing it, but I'm now training the next generation of
0: slimy salespeople. But at least you're selling something that is beneficial, right? You're not selling duct cleaning. You know what I mean? That's a whole <laughs> other story, right? You're selling something that even if it does feel like you're being manipulative, at the end of the day, it's for that benefit of that person's health. 100%. I'm trying to make it sound
1: better. It's 100% is beneficial and that's why we got into fitness In the first place, duck
0: cleaning is beneficial. But when
1: you have the corporate side of it, you know when you've got the owners of the fitness clubs breathing down your neck every hour, calling you, "What are your sales? What have you sold today? How many new memberships? How many training packages?" Yes, that's when you calls to be made. Exactly.
2: Uh, So working from home, so we built things up. Uh, My only social media profile that I had at the time was LinkedIn. And I let some of my clients know that I was leaving my previous practice and I just left and started working from home. And it slowly built from there. People found out where I was through LinkedIn and through referrals that I met from before and through friends. And then it built up from there. I was actually really fortunate in the way that things turned out stressful at times because, you know, you go from having consistent paycheck to, okay, I've got four clients this week. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. Can I ask so, you
0: a question about LinkedIn? How, yeah. long, how long ago was this? Are we talking about like right when you started That's your five, plan- five- Five years ago? Five
2: years ago. Okay, cool.
0: Because we had someone come in off the unprofessional hour, and I've had some inquiries about massage off of LinkedIn. I don't really use it to get clients, but anyway, this guy, (laughs) Curtis, you remember Curtis? Of course I remember Curtis. We had him on the unprofessional hour, and he he was giving us stories about, because he does mobile stuff, and he was giving us stories about the weird dudes that would contact him from LinkedIn. He only got the weirdos off of LinkedIn.
1: (laughs) Yep. Poor guy. (laughs) Have you had any of that? Like he would get these super professional looking uh, businessmen contacting him uh, basically without coming outright and saying it, but requesting uh, erotic massage in their home. (laughs)
0: Wow.
2: Um, Fortunately, no, I didn't experience that. Um, I've had some people that are pretty demanding and saying, well, you live 10 minutes away from me. Why won't you see me? It's because I don't know you and you could be an axe murderer for all that I know. <laughs> and I don't want you in my house. Mm,
0: that's good call.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Just little things like that. When people are overly aggressive, or just
1: really strange, uh, it wasn't worth it for me. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I'm also on my own. And although Mark, I would say 90% of the time is in the office when you know when people are, are requesting to come in. Um, If it's somebody who says something that just, I don't know, if I get that feeling that they're just being a little bit strange, I'm like, "Eh, no, I'm good.
0: I'm good. Can we use this moment right now to tell every dude that's not a massage therapist listening right now what not to say during an inquiry?
1: (laughs) I'm going to let you take this one first, Tracy. What what do you not say when you're requesting a massage
2: treatment? What do you not say? Okay, top things are what type of massage do you give, which is a normal question. And then asking, um, what do I wear for the massage? Which is a normal question. Um, And then what parts of my body will you be massaging, particularly? Mm. Um, And then my favorite is, do you do a prostate massage? Oh my God, stop. Somebody actually asked
1: you that?
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I told him that I personally don't do prostate massages. My coworker, who's a male who is standing beside me, doesn't do prostate massages. And what they're looking for is a rub and tug. And this is not that type of place. And then he asked me, he's like, oh, okay, back, neck and shoulders. I'm oh my like, God. you're kidding me, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he still wanted to come in for the massage. That's he funny. He
2: still wanted to come into the massage. True story.
0: Next time someone asks that, you should say yes. And then when they come in, have a massage gun ready for your prostate massage. No,
2: but you don't understand. He was in the clinic. This was a physical conversation. <laughs> oh. There, there you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah Oh wow. Uh huh.
0: What was his face like? Was he? Was this like a a happy look? Was this like a like I'm I'm trying to feel you out kind of thing? Like I'm 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 trying to picture his, this.
2: His his face was he was serious. Like he meant it. Like he came in. He's like, my wife is away. I'm like, congratulations. This is how the conversation started. My wife is away. Like I'm like yay. Like I got a pod to clean. Like how can I help you? And he's like, yeah, my wife's away, and uh, I have some free time on my hands. I'm like, okay. He goes, do you have a massage now? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, well booked up this evening. And he goes, what type of massages do you do? And I said, well, what would you do? Swedish, trigger point therapy, da, 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 all this kind of stuff. And then that's when he asked the question of if we do a prostate massage.
0: <laughs>
2: yes, it actually <laughs> happened.
0: Wow. Yeah, he
2: was wearing uh, He was wearing a baseball cap and he was just kind of, you know, yeah old guy young guy yeah older guy short creepy why why Kinda are you not asking if he's chub- short and chubby Chubby <laughs> and balding
0: because I, I picture george costanza are you
2: like profiling him right now i picture
0: george costanza oh I my don't know god why. i don't know why jason Alexander. <laughs> you'll never hear this and i'm hurt that you won't hear this but that's what i pictured
1: wow no, see i i haven't had somebody as brazen as that well I mean, recently I did, and I talked about it on an episode, but I know I talked about this one as well, that one of the ones that I turned away online, it was very strange. This guy um, sent me a message and said can you do a uh, foot massage? And of course, I responded in a way that was like, yeah, of course, you know, you've muscles in your feet, whatever. Right? And then I also do reflexology. So I inquired if he was asking about <laughs> reflexology. No,
0: but can I wear a leather mask while you do the foot massage?
1: <laughs> no, but the, his response, it, it wasn't even the like the wording necessarily. It was just something about this guy gave me a weird vibe about all of his responses. But he basically said, Um, I've been to other places that just do one hour foot massage. Can you just massage my feet for one hour? And I said, well, like when you come in and we do an assessment, like if if it's indicated that we need to work on your feet, I said, do you have foot pain? He's like, no, I just want you to rub my feet for one hour. And that's when I was like, um, no, no, thanks. No, I'm good. No. No, I don't need a new client. I'm good because just something about the way he worded it was just not... It wasn't like, okay, my my feet really need attention or what it was just, I want you to rub my feet for an hour. And I I don't know, I felt like I heard his tone. Did he the look message. like George
0: Costanza? Someone's gotta fucking look like George Costanza. You know Costanza. what? He
1: didn't. He was a relatively young, I would say probably in his thirties. Um, either East Indian or West Indian man, like Looked from his profile picture to be like the same guy. It was it the same guy? I don't know. He looked. (laughs) He looked. He was actually like fairly good looking, like decent build, like clean shaven. Like he didn't. He didn't look sloppy or gross. Like he he was a decent looking guy and a young looking guy. And maybe it was a totally normal request, but something about this guy made me say, "Nope, call somebody else." (laughs) <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Exactly. You know what I'm saying?
0: You were also going to give me the things that dudes are not supposed to inquire about. That
1: they're not supposed to inquire about. Tracy went about first. It.
0: You were like, Tracy, you go first.
1: Okay. Well, things not to say is, can you rub my feet for an hour? <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I agree with her. When somebody says like, well, what kind of massage do you offer? That always, That for some reason, that always signals alarm. When somebody says to me, what kind of massage do you offer? Um, okay. Or
2: I don't want you to treat something that might make you feel embarrassed. Oh, I've never gotten what that one What am before. I possibly going to treat on your body in a therapeutic treatment that's going to make me feel embarrassed? Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird
0: one. I don't know if I've heard that one.
1: I've never gotten that. No. <laughs> that's awkward that is awkward wow come to burlington <laughs> Oh <God>. no thanks <laughs> no i've I've never gotten anything like i said it's it's always been for some reason just a feeling in the way it's worded so yes the guy asking about his feet that was that threw me off a little and i do get a lot of people calling saying like what kind of massage do you offer which is very different could be from super legit though it could be I mean, but it's very just, different like, from the guy person? who calls me and says um are you a registered massage therapist? Okay. Then I know that you some you somewhat understand what that is. But just when, well, what kind of massage do you offer?
0: And that always... Okay. You know, what you're right because you got my number from somewhere. You probably got it from my website, which means you've seen all this information already. Right. So, okay. so yeah, 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 that
1: kind of throws me off a little bit sometimes. You know, if you're asking me if it's a registered massage therapy type of treatment, sure. I'm happy to answer that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would say that's probably it. I, I agree with her. Just the what kind of massage do you offer? Just, and I
2: think the reason why that, that. <laughs> I think the reason why that we had some let's say confusion is because um, we are a clinic that's open till 10 p.m. at night, but we don't run massage until 10:30 or 10 o'clock at night. Right. We have the float therapy that runs later. So you know, when people come by and see massage, it's, some people are still very old school in their thought. And they see massage therapy on the door and then they see you're open until, you know, 10 p.m. They're like, oh, OK. Yeah, I guess that would look sketchy to some, people. you know, but when you walk into our clinic and that's why we do call it a clinic, um, you don't get that vibe. As soon as you walk in, it's, you know, very professional, very pristine. You don't get that sense. That makes sense. I think it's just what people's perceptions are when they walk in and you can't really change it.
1: So let's back up a little bit. So Tracy uh, started out in sales like I did in fitness sales, felt a little slimy, decided to um, leave that world, became a massage therapist, and you've been practicing for seven years. Realized after working at some clinics that she wanted to work for herself, started a home-based practice, and then got so busy because she's the best RMT in Ontario. Just kidding. Just kidding. oh <laughs> No. Far from. And then... That's where we kind of left off with your your whole career path. How how do you decide that you're going to jump into something as unique and somewhat elaborate from what I can tell from the setup as a float-based
2: clinic, or I don't even know how you would call that. A float clinic, or some people call it the float spa. Okay. How does that happen? Well, the way that it came across was one of my clients was actually floating. He was, I don't want to call him a floater because it's a different sound to it, but he was floating on a regular basis and he was telling me about it. And I heard about it the first time about 20 years ago from a friend of mine who's actually an RNT and he was huge on this. And at the time I'm just like, whoa, that's really way out there. So when it presented itself to me again, I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm going to go and check it out. So I, like you, uh, went to a float clinic out in Hamilton and I floated. And for my first float, I lasted about five minutes um, because I thought (laughs) that I'm the most chill, calm individual. You know, I'm the therapist. My life is about wellness. I've got no stress in my life. I was like a squirrel at a rave in there. I'm like, oh, my God, where's the door? Where's the light? Where's this? Where's that? When's this going to come on? When's that going to come on? Like, I could not get comfortable inside that float because I was so much into my own mind and so much into my own headspace. Mm -hmm. So then I decided at that time that I need to get a membership. I need to figure this out. What? And I, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> this is welcome. Welcome to Tracy.
1: Yeah, let's right? let's, let's pause principle. for a second here, Tracy. So I had the same yeah. experience. Like I walked in there. I walked in with really no expectations because I hadn't even really so much heard of it as a as a therapy. And so I didn't research it. I didn't know anything. I walked in with no expectations. And I don't know how it is at your clinic, but basically I was greeted by the staff when I came in. Um, I had to fill out something online before going in. So there was no paperwork to do when I got there. And he kind of took us on a tour. He showed us the tanks. He showed us, you know, um, we had to watch a video. I think it was like a five minute video of what to expect and what's going to happen. And so they explained like, you know, you take the shower, and then you go in and there's lights and music for this much time and then that goes off. Is
0: that video, does it feel like when you're on a plane? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: (laughs) So I watched the whole, and so that was my only expectation is what I saw in the video. So um, I went in And just like you, for the first five minutes, I was like, what did I sign up for? I was looking for the emergency button that they had just to make sure I knew where it was. (laughs) I was making sure I could feel the door handle. And at one point I actually freaked out because I reached for the door handle because I decided I wanted to actually um, bring the towel inside the tank with me. I didn't do that at first, but I wanted to have it there. So. I reached for the door handle and I was like trying to pull it to open the door and it wasn't budging. and It wasn't budging. And I was freaking out. I'm pulling and pushing and pulling and pushing <laughs> and moving it. And it took me, I don't know how long to realize I actually wasn't even holding onto the door handle. I was holding onto the handle that's there to help you stand up. So I, I wasn't, okay, yeah. So I finally figured that out. I reached for the door. I got the door open. I turned on, I guess, whatever emergency lights are there that you can turn on if you need to turn them on. And I got the towel, I dried off my face, I took a few breaths and I was like, okay, let me try this again. And I got back in. So you said you only lasted five minutes. How do you go from okay, that freak I, out? I lasted I lasted ten. Okay. But but it, how do you go minutes. from that freak out not even completing yeah. to getting a membership? Yep. Like take me take me because into your
2: I'm mind. like <laughs> I I seriously need to work through some of my stuff if I can't spend 10 minutes alone with myself so I'm like that's it I'm getting a membership and I float it every week and I and I got out of there and and the guy was great he was absolutely amazing at the float place that I went to and he was like Hey, how was your float? And I lied, of course. I'm like, oh, I had eczema on my hand and itchy, um, so I got out early. Uh, sign me up with a membership. <laughs> so he was like, right. And you could tell that he knew what was going on, right? He's like, uh-huh, sure, no problem. So then I started floating on a weekly basis. I went every Sunday. It was difficult at the beginning, but I knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this to you, Mark, because it's really not that bad. <sighs> I know that you
1: and Mark have spoken off mic about this, but I want to remind everyone of Mark's feelings about floating.
0: First of all, just closed spaces. Let's not even talk about floating. Closed spaces alone. I don't like elevators. I can't sit in the back of a two-door car. You ever go into a stall and it is a full stall, like it's a, it's a room, it's a door, there's no, there's no partitions, yep. right? Yeah, I can't do that. I freak out. I'd be like, what if, what, if, what if I'm stuck in this? I can't do that. So small spaces, that's the first thing. The second thing, there are parts of my mind, there's parts of everybody's mind that are meant to stay locked up. And having awareness from all of your senses and all this stimuli come in and your brain processing all this stuff kind of puts all of that shit in the, the corner where it's supposed to be. And I feel like if you start to take some of those things away, the stuff that was meant to sit in the corner Now kind of surfaces where I watched a documentary, I think, about psilocybin and people doing ayahuasca and mushrooms and all that stuff. Right. And how they've had very positive experiences with it. But when when you were talking to, you know, the counselors that were taking them through this whole thing, essentially all of these drugs, at least from what I understand, but I'm a dummy. Essentially, all of these drugs, they don't really alter your brain. They just allow connections to happen that normally don't happen. So all of this shit is already in your brain. You just don't have it come to the forefront. And I'm scared as fuck that... If you do like a a true, I don't know if your floats are like this, like a real hardcore sensory deprivation. Like I can't sense where my body is in space because I'm completely floating the temperature of the ambient air and the water and everything is all the same to my body temperature. And I can't, I can't distinguish that stuff. And then I can't see anything and it's dark, like sensory deprivation. I feel that can make you go fucking mental.
2: Well, is it sensory deprivation or is it personal isolation? Because that's something we've all been working on. I don't think you've gone mental since. And I mean, if you're creative, like I think you're, are are you? I'm scared about the. Here's the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. You will only release what you were ready to release. Like I think some of the whole pretense around floating is that you're going to go in there and you're going to have like this mind blowing experience and you're going to alter states, and it's going to take you so far into the right side of your brain that you're not going to come back and you'll never be the same again. You know, it's like, you're going to get in there. And if you're a creative individual, you know, that might be the time that you're like, Hey, I'm thinking more about my music or I'm thinking more about my art. If you're an athlete, you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to visualize, you know, how I'm going to win this fight. This is going to be my next game. This is going to be the next thing that I do. Would you, would you equate it to, Meditation, absolutely.
0: So this works well if you have a game plan going in, or is this stuff that I discover while I'm there? I think it could be both. Okay, maybe we, I need to hear more about the whole setup because, like, when I hear float, and maybe I'm wrong because I've never been to one and I've never really researched what they're all about. I'm hoping you're going to tell me a bunch of stuff. Now, um, I think sensory deprivation. Like, if that's not what floating is part of, floating, then I might be more. There in tune is with it.
1: sensory deprivation, and before we let Tracy explain to us exactly what's going on, I understand what you're saying and i agree that there's probably parts of your brain that do get unlocked when you can block out all of the stimulus coming in but you're looking at it from this negative viewpoint that this is going to be a bad thing whereas it, a lot it, of people seek the th- therapies to do that it's not
0: that it's going to be a bad thing but if it's a potential for a bad thing then for me i'm just like i don't i don't need to play with that potential
1: but i don't i don't okay the reason i can't imagine it being a bad thing is that Okay, I know we had sort of alluded to earlier how we did an episode recently with somebody who, um, for, again, for lack of a better term, it would be classified as a conspiracy theorist and had ideas of what's going on in the world right now. She, um,
0: What's been going on in the world for the past 10,000 years? She does
1: work that is called the the soul work method. And she tries to get people to connect to their soul and try to understand their purpose. And when I think of something like floating, I do equate it to something like meditation, where it's you, as Tracy said, isolating and being with yourself and really understanding yourself and your own brain and your own mind without all the noise coming in. I can't imagine how that could be a bad thing. You're getting to actually figure out who you are without everything else that's affecting you.
0: Okay, now I need to hear this. All right, Tracy. I need to hear what this is, but remind me to come back to talking about how you even got into this and massage and putting it together. But I desperately want to hear about the float process.
2: And I agree with that point too. And I don't think that floating is for everyone. Just like I don't think yoga is for everyone. I don't think that meditation is for everyone. I think if it's the time for you that you want to try it, then do it. It would never be something that I would say to someone who didn't want to do it oh, you got to get in there. It's the best thing for you. I agree because there is
1: fear associated as we see from somebody like Mark. And
2: if you are terrified, yeah, it might not be your time. If you're terrified and then if you think, okay, I'm going to smoke a joint before I go in. Like, if it's the first time you're smoking a joint and the first time that you're floating, please don't do that. (laughs) Like, I don't want you like freaking out, running down my hall, naked, covered in salt. Like, this is not the thing that's good for you or good for anybody. I'd be
0: floating there just yelling, someone bring me some chips. (laughs) I want some fucking chips I'm so hungry
2: (laughs) (laughs) Floating makes me hungry
0: Oh man, it's probably Anyway, okay, sorry, continue
1: He's looking at me because I'm like, fuck man, can't we just be serious? Can't we just get through like one point And be serious? (laughs) We really can't Anyway, sorry, Tracy, floating, go
2: So you're floating, you're half in, half out of the water. Um, the whole pretense of it is that it's taking away the gravity. So the reason why, Mark, you were saying before, like, why did you put massage therapy and float therapy together? We're telling people as part of their home care, you know, Epsom salt baths are great, helps remove like toxins, great for after massage therapy. So you're floating in over a thousand pounds of Epsom salt or magnesium sulfate, and it's also taking away the gravity. So it takes all the pressure off the spinal cord, all the pressure off the joints, all the pressure off ligaments in the body, and it just makes sense. The two of them work beautifully together. And it's you have the ability to put your mind and body at rest for an hour with no kids, no TV, no sound, just you. I'm so
1: happy you started with no kids. Like, oh... <laughs> See, and I
0: heard that and all I thought of was kids. All I thought of was, is that what it's like floating around inside? Is that what it's like floating around inside your mom? Yeah, maybe. Inside
2: of the womb. Maybe. You're going back to the mothership. No, it's not. It's not necessarily. That's not it. That's not it. It's just getting you into this state that you're into a more complete sense of relaxation. So when I did this,
1: I remember um, because it was my first time, they gave me the option to go into like a bigger cabin. So it wasn't like the traditional pod that you're like literally in what I assume, what I've heard other people call like a water casket. I wasn't in that. I had a little bit more (laughs) space. Um, Is there a difference when you float in a larger cabin like I did versus this tiny little pod?
2: A lot of it is individual preference. Some people want to have that feeling of that they're really in close, like they're very encapsulated. Everything is close to them. We have pods at our location, which are spacious inside. And we also have a float room So it's an open concept, it's not encapsulated and you actually get into what looks like an oversized hot tub, Mm -hmm. and you can float in that room. So it all depends, you'll have the same benefits no matter which room you float in. Okay. Some people like to have a little bit more space. For some of my clients that are taller, they prefer to go into the float room because it gives them that little more leeway, they can stretch out. They can move around a bit more. Yeah, like
1: Mark is incredibly claustrophobic. So I can't imagine I could ever sell him
2: on a pod, but possibly a float room. The float room's great because you're still taking in magnesium through osmosis. You're still having the whole float experience, lights out, sound off. Mm, Okay. Yeah,
1: Talk to me about what sort of results your clients report back to you. Like what do people feel the benefits are of floating? So I want to learn about sort of the subjective information and then get a little bit of knowledge from you about what you know the benefits of floating to be.
2: Better sleep patterns. I have quite a few clients that have a hard time sleeping and the intake of the magnesium from being in the float. They had better sleep patterns for about seven days afterwards they find. Um, Arthritic conditions, people who have arthritis pains in their joints and their knees feel better after floating because having that suspension without the tension on the muscles and joints for an hour, that's huge. I've got clients that come in that do meditation and they find that it just takes them to that next level of grounding. And they find that they're more calm and more clear afterwards. Is
1: there science behind this? Like scientifically or historically, where does this come from? Who invented this? Do you know any of this information? Like, yeah. where does this come yeah, from? Yeah.
2: Well, in the 50s, John C. Lilly, who was a neurologist, uh, came up with the concept of floating because there was that sense that if they shut off all stimulation from the mind and the brain, that it would die when it functioned very well. And he proved differently. And he created these tanks because it was the easiest way to stop any type of stimulation going through the body, through the skin. Light is an easy one to shut out. Like That's probably the easiest sense and taste to remove. But to get that that proprioception awareness and to take that away, he created the float tank with the temperature of the air and the water being the same. So the body doesn't tell the difference between the stimulation. And he found that people were more creative from it, from the studies that he did, that it actually lowers blood pressure, cholesterol, and helps people with post-traumatic stress disorders and anxiety issues because it quiets the mind and calms the body. And he's done a ton of research, a ton of studies that were done. And even in the States now, they're doing more and more research. And a lot of professional athletes use floating as part of their regime to get them into a good state of mind, the Dallas Cowboys have them in their training room for afterwards mm-hmm. to help, you know, reset them after their game. John Lilly has written two books um, that are really great. One is The Deep Self, and that explains a little bit more the whole concept of it, floating and where he came from as a neurologist and the studies and the time that he put behind it and his personal experience in the tank. And also uh, into the cyclone. So if you have the opportunity to read either of those, they're quite interesting and you get to know a little bit more about his thought pattern and where he
1: came with it. So in all of the studies that have been done and all of the research that this guy did, were there any negative Mm -hmm. reactions, like something that Mark is afraid of? Was there anybody that actually came out and felt like their their mind was just messed with in a, a like crazy way. State, yeah. Like that did anything like that ever um, happen? Like a chimpanzee. Yeah.
2: Uh, what they recommend is when anyone did some of the studies that he did taking LSD, there was different types of reaction to being in the float room. Um, if people have any type of severe um, medical disability that they can't go into the float, then they're going to have a negative reaction. But aside from that, there hasn't been anything that's been huge negative impact in that way. I think a lot of it is what we put into our minds and what we think is going to happen from being in that area. It's the unknown. We're going into something that's, you know, our minds are preset. Homeostasis is free, like fear-based. We react from everything that we do. So we're taking away things that make us comfortable. We're taking away light. We're taking away sound. We're taking away our control factors. So when we take away our control mechanisms... That's when we start to think the worst possible case scenario can happen when it can actually be the best possible case scenarios. And there hasn't been any huge um, stories or anything regarding negative effects. What do you think,
1: on a personal level, do you think that it's possible for somebody to go crazy, for lack of a better term, in a float tank?
2: You know something? I think it depends upon their, just like anything else, like their medical, you know, history. You know, Everyone who comes in fills out a waiver form. We saw I did a little bit about if they've had any type of post-traumatic stress disorder, something that might be a trigger for them. Like if there's someone who's very right side of the brain and there's like some sort of schizophrenic activity that's happening, is it a great idea for them to go in and float? Most likely not. Like let's make sure it's for right people that are going to the tanks. Mm-hmm. They're doing studies in the States with, you know, guided Uh, psychotherapists that are working through with people to help deal with disorders and anxiety, but that's not something that I think we should do mainstream. Like, let's not try to run our own experiments here. Mm. I think floating is great for the general population, for people that are trying to, you know, better themselves and better their well-being. Not that I'm isolating anybody out, being very careful in what I'm saying, but at the same time, it's about getting the right people to do the right things for them.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about so for example if you had somebody who does I I feel like almost everybody struggles with some sort of mental health concerns. Anxiety seems to be really big especially amongst my generation. I don't know um how old mm-hmm. you are, but in my uh sort of I'm I'm at the top end like the older millennials, you know, mid 30s. Yeah. Um I feel like anybody between like Late 20s and mid 30s, I feel like all of us struggle with some sort of anxiety. I'm I'm only saying that just from, you know, people that I meet and my clients Your and circle. my friends. And yeah, I feel like there's so much anxiety. Do you think that floating is beneficial for people like us who have all dealt with some sort of anxiety or would we be the kind of group that you would be
2: cautious of? Absolutely not. I think it's the best thing to do because it helps to calm down. The central nervous system helps to calm down the body. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned to you previously, my first float was ten minutes because I used to be an incredibly anxious individual. Right. I'm not saying that that floating changed my life, but it helped me out tremendously, like enough that I opened up a float center. Right. Being like a female owner operator who does all the maintenance, all the payroll, RMT, front desk, I do it all from A to Z. We have a really small team that works with us. So if I didn't get my anxiety in check, and you know, I'm fifty years old now. I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Mm. I wouldn't be able to lift fifty pounds of salt and change out pod and water and doing all that myself if I didn't keep myself in a really calm place. Right. So I think to answer your question, long way around, absolutely. I think the people that wouldn't benefit from floating are people that are having higher disorders than generalized anxiety to which I think we all have. And especially during times like this, what we're all going through right now, it heightens everything a little bit more. So let's shift
0: and talk a little bit about what we're going through right now. Before you do that, you seem super, super well-versed on everything floating and based on a man's experience with a dude that owns that float place, like, yeah. what is the common in this field? Is it the people that own these places are like super well versed, or is it like, mm, you know what, this can, this can be a big moneymaker? Do
2: you know what's really interesting? I think it's very similar to the answer of what type of massage therapist do we have? You know, we've got mm. people that are very clinical based, very, very um, evidence based. And then we have people that are really happy that are, you know, doing treatments in a spa that like to do relaxation. And they're both great, Mm -hmm. but they're both very different. So there's a lot of people like there's some people that are incredibly passionate. Like the first float place that I went to, that was one of the reasons why I'm like, I want to do this because the guys loved what they did and they were passionate about it and they got it and they lived and breathed floating. They weren't the owners, but they were the guys that worked there and they were incredible incredible individuals. And then there's people that are like, hey, let's open this and we'll make it like a subway, you know, then maybe we'll franchise and open another one. Um, So, you know, neither of them are right and neither of them are wrong for what they're doing, right? Like, I love the fact if you're passionate, I like to believe that that's what's going to take you a little bit further. And that's what's going to be that next step for Mm -hmm. you. I'm not saying that the person who wants to franchise and do it, but you got to love it because this is grunt work and you got to have grit. If you don't have grit, Then, and and if you don't love floating, then you're not going to make it. There's a lot of work to it and it's, and it's rewarding at the same time.
1: The maintenance alone sounds like it would be torturous. I know I said we're going to talk about what's going on right now, but I want to, I want to talk about that for a minute. Like you were talking about the fact that there's what, a thousand pounds of Epsom salts in each, in each (laughs) of these pods, like and yeah. you're doing all of this yourself. You're cleaning the pods. You're yeah. changing them.
2: Yeah. What? Yeah. How? <laughs> so, every six months to a year, um, we do it on a yearly basis. We I talk like there's three of me. We, me, drain the pods and uh, and I fill them up. Like it's 14 bags of salt alone that goes inside the pool. So you're draining it, washing it out, taking out all the components, cleaning out your filter, which you do on a regular basis anyways, right? Checking your pumps making sure your ozone hose is all connected, everything is working well. Then you dump in the salt, break it up, start hosing, bringing the water into it, mixing up that salt, letting it run, getting it up and running. So yeah, it's, that's what you do for a full changeover. On a weekly basis, you're doing everything from water chemistry on a daily basis, three or four times a day. You're doing your maintenance of your filters. You do that once a week. When you take everything out, sometimes more depending on how busy you are, maintaining your hair baskets, it's like having three small recreational pools in your place. Yikes. But the most important thing with this is maintaining your specific gravity. So you want to make sure that you don't go past your saturation point between 1.28 and 1.30 because then it will stop absorbing your hydrogen peroxide and whatever you're putting inside of that. So you have to have that fine balance. Tracy,
1: how you did you learn all set. of this? Like I'm I'm sitting in a chemistry class
2: right now. How did you learn this? Welcome to Tracy. Like I think I know everything. I'm gonna open a float center, right? So I travel up to Arizona, I go to Float Pod Technologies, I talk to the guys at Royal Spa. Like they're kind of looking at me at float pod, like, yeah, no one ever comes here. I'm like, hi, (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see what you're about. I'm hiking over in Sedona. So I thought I'd swing (laughs) by and just check out your place. They're like, wow. Okay. So thinking I know everything. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take two of the pods in a pool. Like I'm doing a grocery list here. Right. Like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry. It's easy. Plug and play. No problem. So yeah, welcome. So then they're like, yeah, 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 you got this. You'll be fine give you instructional videos I'm like I got it I got it I open up the first week I'm like, oh my shit what have I gotten myself into <laughs> what have I Done. You're making me anxious like, as you're telling me the story. And then like my, my my eyes twitching, right? Like everything's fine. I got this, you know. And I'm just like, okay. So now I got a ton of new stuff that I'm training and I'm trying to figure out this stuff. And you know, I got to keep my massage side going and I'm learning this new software. And I'm just like, All right, let's just run with this. Um, did I fall quite often? That's why God blessed me with a large ass because I bounced back pretty well. <laughs> and um, I just kept kept going. You make some huge mistakes, as I did, and learn very quickly. Like what? Like could you could you make a mistake that could be
1: dangerous to the public?
2: Um, Not so much. The only thing that would be dangerous to the public is just like anything else. Same with being an RMT. If you do something that's outside of your scope of work. You know, if I wasn't maintaining my water levels, if my hydrogen levels were below 50 to 80 ppm, you know, if I was doing things that are unsafe or my uh, pH level was like 8.4 and I'm putting people into float and saying, yeah, big deal, whatever. Well,
1: that's what I mean. Like, so you know, you know what these levels are supposed to be. You did the research. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know what kind of restrictions or what kind of um governance there is over something like this like are are there people who make sure that when a float place opens up that you're maintaining the pods properly and that there isn't going to be this ridiculous ph level and there isn't there isn't going to be you know the improper amount of salts or magnesium or whatever like there there are people who make sure that this is all safe and nobody's going to okay yep yep
2: we've had two inspections um when we first opened, they went through my entire place, went through all my logs, checked my training manuals, make sure that I had my water perimeter sheets in place, make sure that I had all my safety protocols. Who is they? Who's they? Operational guidelines, uh, public health. So this is pretty. Demand. This is pretty serious. <laughs> like
1: opening a float place is not easy at all.
2: Yeah, if they if they're not compliant, it's really hard because at the end of the day, as much as we are diverse, and as much as we might not be in contact w- with one another, we're all a collective. So if we've got one place that, let's just say, gets shut down because they're not doing uh, their, their standard, their level, it makes them look bad for the rest mm-hmm. of us because it is so relatively newer mm-hmm. to the area. Like they are expanding. It is growing. But if we've got one float center that's not doing what they're supposed to be doing and someone comes out and says, oh yeah, I, I got a rash from my head to toe from floating at XYZ, you know, then all floats float through that because it, it's that new, you know, so we all have to be incredibly compliant and the majority of the float centers, the ones that I have visited, have done an incredible job with staying clean, keeping the place looking dynamite. Like you wouldn't think that there was someone in the room before you. And that's the most important piece, yeah. you know? And then people are like, well, it's, then they're like, well, ew, I'm going to be in there and, and you're not changing the water. I'm like, okay, well, um, I'm going to say one word to you, hot tub. Like to me, a hot tub is more frightening. Having four or five people sitting in a hot tub together. Yeah, Then, then no, no, at a temperature of one Oh four. No, thank you. Right. When you've got stuff in there, and then you've got your individualized room that you know was sanitized and cleaned after each float, your shower, everything, your floor, the place is immaculate. Yeah. When I went, I wondered about that,
1: actually, because when I went into the, the room, it was like sparkling. It was like the cleanest place I had ever seen. Yep. Ever, I mean, even the pod, because they show it to you with the lights on. And it's not like there was like hair yep. floating it, which, by the way, if there was, I would have been running for the door. <laughs> but the whole place was like immaculate and clean, like there was no smell. Like it was just, it was. It's, I actually questioned it. I came home and I, I think I even said to Mark, like, do they change the water between each person? Because it just looked even like very clean water. It didn't look like, you know, a whole bunch of people with their own sweat and perfumes and colognes and gross shit were in it. It just looked very clean,
2: right? And how many hot tubs, you know, public hot tubs? Do you feel that way about well I don't go in public hot tubs, but that's I mean
1: there's a re- I don't go I don't in public
0: even hot like tubs. going into a pool, man. Where...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, we're on vacation. <laughs> I'm not at the pool. That's a lie. You eventually end up at the pool I'm if not I give in you enough drinks. The water.
0: I might be at the pool. I'm not in the pool.
1: Actually, you know what? Fun fact this has nothing to do with floating, but one of the first uh vacations that Mark and I ever took together, I wanna say we were in Jamaica. I'm gonna say Jamaica. And we were at a resort and we were sitting by the pool and you know how they have like the swim up bars. So there was a bunch of people sitting at the swim up bars and I don't know, him and I were like laying by the pool. Yeah, I can't stop. I I can't stop. I started. Uh, We're laying by the pool. You know, we had a server who was coming and bringing us drinks and we were probably there for a good two, two and a half hours. And all of a sudden Mark points out to me, he's like, have you noticed that not one person who is sitting at that swim up bar has gotten out of the pool? At all. And they're all sitting there drinking. Yeah. Like, you know, they're I all just sitting oh, there peeing exactly. in the pool.
0: I'm like, in, oh! In that time that we just sat up and observed, I probably pissed three or four times. Yeah, that's true. I got up to go to the bathroom <laughs> like, probably at like, least three that, times. That, that hairy dude sitting in the middle there, he hasn't moved. <laughs>
2: It, was there was there a ring of suntan lotion around them too in the water oh,
0: i
1: don't know we didn't get close enough Sorry. we did not we soon? did not go into that pool and the minute mark said that oh. i was like okay so pool time is ruined for me on this vacation we're over that
2: <laughs> see that's a fun example a great idea on paper but when it actually comes together not so much yeah no, but that was something no. i
1: i really was a little bit concerned i mean i am sort of a germaphobe like i mean i'm not I'm not terrible. I'm a massage therapist. I touch people. But there's certain things that really gross me out. And I have to say, going floating, I was a little bit concerned. Like, so I'm just going to go lay in this body of water that somebody else just laid in for an hour before me.
2: Well, it's and that's interesting, right? Because that's what a lot of people think. They're like, well, I don't know if I would want to do that. And then they actually see it. Like what it you was were saying, so clean. they're like, wow, this place yeah. is, this is so yeah, clean. Yeah, it was so clean. And you're also talking of a person who gets the eaves if I have to put my feet on a tiled floor at like a hotel shower yes. or anything like that. So I, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah.
1: I was, I was grossed until I saw it. It was very clean.
0: You know why you probably have that thought? It's probably because of the size of it, because you start to, you start to equate it to like, man, would I get into a bathtub after someone yeah, just sitting there? Just but like the you size of a bathtub. But you, but you wouldn't think like that if it was a pool. True. True.
1: Yes. And you know what? It's so true. Because of the fact that they're strict, I mean, I assume it's the same at all float places. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but we were told, like, you have to shower and they provide you soap. You have to, like, shower with their soap before even getting into the pot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's showering first. You're putting earplugs in your ear. You know, your eyes and your mouth don't go in the water. So. That cuts half the transferable things that could ever happen in a public recreation area out of the picture. Well, right and away. plus,
1: like you said, there's filters, and I assume chlorine is it chlorine that's used in the pods? Um, we use hydrogen, hydrogen peroxide, peroxide because, okay.
2: it, like, chlorine in an encapsulated like that would not be great. Not right. great for the lungs, not great for the eyes.
1: <laughs> you see well, why I yeah, should not open a yeah. flow place? I'm like, sure, chlorine, let's clean this up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, man, I also should learned, not homeschool you, you my kids fast. because look look at me. It's 9.30 p.m. on a Sunday and I've had three glasses of wine. So everything is funny to me. Amazing. Quarantine, quarantine stories. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to that. Let's talk about what's going on right now. Being that you have this, this float spa, float clinic, however we're going to name it, I assume it's not cheap, to run this place and we're at a time right now where we've all been forced to close our doors. So talk to me about that. How are you, how are you keeping this place
2: afloat? Uh, See what I did there? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Witty.
3: Um,
2: What we're doing right now, again, we meaning me, it's business as usual without the customers right now. We closed our doors on March 15th. I'm in there twice a day doing the maintenance on the equipment. Um, running the water, making sure the drains aren't backing up, keeping everything clean, all the sanitation protocol for the rooms, water testing, all that stuff is still going on. Um, But it's challenging because running a float center is costly. The cost of the salt itself, the cost of the hydrogen peroxide, it's costly. It's an investment. And, you know, you plan for things. You don't just all of a sudden say, hey, wouldn't it be cool and fun to open a float center? Because it's a huge investment, like you've got three small vehicles parked in your place. Let's put it that yeah. way. That's the cost of the equipment alone, and then the salt to fill it—it's over a thousand dollars to fill. Then you're doing your maintenance of the salt on a regular basis, and everything else that goes into it on the chemical side. So there's that piece of it, and then there's your rent and your hydro and everything else. Um, we've been really fortunate. I've got great landlords, really, really great landlords, and um, we've been incredibly fortunate in the sense of As a business, because we are so small and because we've been open for less than two years, we don't qualify for a lot of the stuff that the government's putting Mm -hmm. out right now. So um, that made my eye twitch a little bit. And our landlord's been really accommodating and in the way that he's going to defer our rent uh, to help us stay on track for what we're doing. That's great. Which is huge. Like, unbelievably huge. I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah, sure, we're out of pocket but it could have been a lot worse for us. Yeah. And
1: I hope that a lot of landlords are at least attempting to do that. And I understand everybody's situation is different, but at the end of the day, because everybody is sort of out of work right now, if you, if you're not trying to work with your tenants and trying to make sure that they can reopen when all of this is over or slows down or whatever, when we get to go back to some version of normal, um, then who's going to be, who's going to rent at your place? Like nobody's going to be opening a business after all of this. So at this point, I think landlords, tenants, everybody, uh, subcontractors, everybody needs to be working together to ensure that everybody has a place of work to go back
2: to. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if they don't accommodate, look at all the vacancies they're going to have. So there's got to be a little give a little on both ends. And uh, we've been really, really fortunate. I feel really fortunate in that aspect. And I mean, it's timing. We go on a day-to-day basis. We don't know when we can open our doors again. Some people are saying it might be May. Some people are saying June. We don't know. So we just have to keep optimistic and keeping in touch with my clients is super important. So sending out emails, letting them know what's happening, uh, even personalized phone calls, like getting back on the phone, asking them how they're doing. They need to know that we're going to open again, too. Because there's also that fear base of, wow, I just started here and I've just started my SLOPE membership or I've just bought this package and are they going to still be here? Mm-hmm. Like these are concerns for them too. So just reaching out and having a 10 minute phone call conversation and the response that we've been getting back from people is just amazing. Like we can't wait for you to open again. I so need this right now. It's been really great. Very supportive.
0: If your landlord wasn't as nice maybe not accommodating, accommodating. that's a much better word, accommodating, would you have been like royally screwed here and potentially just have to close it all up?
2: You know, it's interesting. I don't think that we would be royally screwed. Our first year was hard because we uh, broke into a market that, first of all, in Burlington floating, no one knew what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two other locations open at the same time, which is to me the way that I see it. I thought it was great because it's creating more awareness. You know, we've got massage therapists on every corner, everywhere you go. So if these slow places are popping up, that's a great thing because it's creating that, hey, this is something that's, that's a need and it's growing. Um, our first year was hard. Like I said to you, it was very, very hard because of the timing of it. Um, and that was a huge, huge factor. And there was times when I actually said, what have I done? But every time that happened... They seem to figure out a way to get around it and a way to come back stronger, whether it was different promotions that I was running, whether it was just reaching out, connecting in the community, doing different things. So I think it's going back to grassroots and doing what we're doing and staying connected. And if our landlords weren't so great, it would have been a hell of a lot harder. But there's absolutely no way after what I've put in in these last three years that I would let four months close our doors no matter what i'd figure out a way
3: nice, I like it. even
2: though we would take a loss and a hit there's no That's way an entrepreneur like you're talking like aaron brockovich going down to city hall with my plans we were the first float pl- uh center to open up in burlington and i'm just like we've got clean water here we can do this <laughs> like they thought i was insane i was at city hall every day have you looked at my plans yet have you looked at my plans yet like yeah so and like i said to you before we had some obstacles like we were open beside a gym like, my landlord's been awesome. Like, we split a unit. We had two places opening at the same time, my business and a gym. The gym that was next to us wasn't just like a, you know, like a a stretching yoga gym. It was an F45. Mm. So you're going to have high-intensity training, battle ropes, kettlebells, live DJ beside a float yeah. center. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop the presses. And he could have said, so sad, too bad right then, right? Like, you signed a lease, see you later. But he was like, Give me some time. I'll figure something out. So, yeah, that was stressful. And then, you know, seven months later, something opened up in one of his other plazas and he gave us that spot. Yeah, you have a good and landlord. And he gave us some extra That's time. awesome. We have a great awesome. landlord. We have a great landlord.
1: Well, like I said, I hope more people are are... Following in uh, those footsteps and trying to work with their people because at this point in time nobody's in a good position right I mean either you are forced to work from home which isn't ideal for most people I mean worst case scenario you you know you don't have Wi-Fi or you have you know multiple children who now have to be schooled from home maybe you only Mm -hmm. have so many devices you know there's so you either have to work from home or you're essential and you're forced to go to work every day with angry terrified people in this panic zone of a world that we're living in right now, and you're afraid that you're bringing something home to your family, or you have to be isolated from your family because you're a real frontline worker and you work in a hospital, or you're like us, that, you know, thousands of people who are unemployed and just waiting for some form of government assistance, which is not even close to enough to pay all of our regular bills. So, I mean, at this point, Mm nobody is in a good position. So I'm really happy when I hear stories like yours that there's a landlord that's willing to say, okay, let's figure this out. And so at some point, we can all go back to some version of normal.
0: I have a question though. Have you you had Mm -hmm. someone now that everything's shut down, no one knows how long this is going to be shut down for, they bought a package, have you been getting, hey, can I get a refund on my package? Can I get a refund on my package? And if you have been getting that, how have you been handling it?
2: That's actually a great question. I had one. I had one person, she's like, listen, my float package is going to uh, expire shortly, and you know, can I get a refund on it? Because I don't know when you're going to be opening again. I said this and before we do a refund, think about it because we will be opening again soon. Worst case scenario, if your husband doesn't want to use the slip package that you bought him for Christmas, then think about massage therapy, think about a massage and float, and we can go from there. And if you absolutely feel that this is not the place that you want to be after we reopen again, absolutely, I'll refund that package to you. Yeah. But I haven't received anything else. I haven't even had a response back from that individual as to what their next steps are. We were are.
1: bombarded with emails initially, uh, you know, because again, our our clients are RMTs, right? The people who take our courses are mm-hmm. not all RMTs, but all manual therapists. We've got um, manual osteopathic practitioners We've got RMTs, we've got physios, we've got personal trainers, we've got kinesiologists. So we were bombarded by emails in the first few days that we closed down of, you know... Yeah, before there were
0: announcements of, like, government support and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so first it was, was when are you guys
1: going to run my course? And I... Mm-hmm. <laughs> my initial response honestly like i'm being honest when i say it. i was initially angry because i'm like what kind of question is that we don't know you know we're taking our lead from everybody else we don't know but you know we'll make sure everyone's taken care of but i was responding to everyone the same as you you know we are going to open again we are going to run the courses and we will either move you to another date give you a credit or ultimately you know if you aren't if this isn't going to work for you we'll offer a refund when we reopen and for a period of time we were getting uh, email after email after email majority were fairly supportive like what you said of you know they mm-hmm. asked for the refund mm-hmm. we responded back and then they kind of just left it at that we had a few that were fairly demanding like no I want my money back now I'm not working and and, and,
2: and I've had that I mean I've had someone who's because our um, online booking system automatically populates you know booking confirmations and just so happens that I have not canceled all the appointments at the end of April As of yet, because I'm being, you know, kept in optimism that everything is going to be fine by then. Um, And I guess this one email reminder went out. And on the email reminder, I have a whole breakdown of how to prepare for a massage, how to prepare for a float, and, and, you know, the steps when not to enter the clinic if you have any signs and symptoms, coughing, this, 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 and this. Individual writes back to me saying, well, that doesn't really help me because most most businesses um, have closed down and they're not still seeing people. And I'm just kind of like... (laughs) like it was one of those I'm just going to step away from the computer right now I'm going to take a moment to breathe before I respond well it's hard because you You know know the person
1: writing the email is also dealing with their own shit and is also stressed and is also anxious and that's why like when I get these emails the ones that have been particularly rude or demanding it hasn't been a ton of them but when I get them I have to take a minute and I'm like okay okay they are stressed. It's okay. And then I respond back saying exactly as you said, you know, we'll make sure you're taken care of. And ultimately, if a refund is what you want, we will get it to you when we reopen. But at this point, everybody is in the same boat. You know, we need to be a little bit patient and understanding and, you know, work with each other because nobody's in a good spot right now.
2: Absolutely. And that's, that's what I said to her. I said, you know, my apologies that this email came up before my call to you. Um, I have listed on social media what's happening on our website. And my apologies if this went ahead of time. Is there anything that I could do that you would think would be more constructive in the future to communicate my message better so this doesn't happen again? Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Did you get a response? Nothing. Nothing. And, and I, I like, wow. And, and like to what you're saying, I think everyone's going through their own stuff, right? Everyone has their own their own fears. Everyone has their own things on their plate right now. So that was probably an email that she got after, you know, she's trying to figure out that she can't sign up for the government webpage until, you know, April 6th. Right. Who yeah. knows, right? Like. You never know what triggers people. And I think that um, calmer, cooler minds will prevail. And I keep saying that using the word grit, like we have to have more grit than ever right now. Like we have to dig in deep and, and remember why we got into what we're doing. You know, most people that are RMTs or people that open their own business are like what you do, run your own courses. You do this because you got grit. You do this because you saw a lifestyle that you were once a part of and you're like, hey, this is not for me anymore. And I want to do something that makes a difference and makes a change for people that I find rewarding. And there's going to be days that I'm not going to have a steady paycheck. There's going to be days that things aren't going to be easy. But that's a better way to live than just going through complacency and being unhappy.
1: Well, plus, by the sounds of it, you're just like Mark. You're not employable. You got to do your own
0: thing. (laughs) Yep. I don't know if that was an insult or that was a compliment. Man, (laughs) that's such a compliment. I I
1: love entrepreneurs. You are my favorite people because I get it. I mean... I don't think I could go back to working for someone after so many years of working for myself and doing my own thing. And yeah, there's times where, I mean, there's tons of my close friends and family members who probably think I'm insane because we don't always necessarily have a steady paycheck. We don't have nine to five hours. It's a lot of work when you run your own business, but at the end of the day, I just find it's so much more rewarding. I don't think I could go back to working for a company and doing the nine to five thing. I can't do it. Do you think this is going to
0: thin Mm-mm. the herd? Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a bunch of RMTs that are either going to be out of work or are going to be like, I can't be in well, this I've field got, anymore? I've
1: got two examples for you. One, sure. I have a very good friend who is a personal trainer and a kinesiologist and a great one. But she's also um, at the point now where she's realizing she's not going to be able to Reopen after all of this. Her expenses are too high. Her landlord is not budging. In fact, he asked for an increase during all of this. If you can imagine, he wanted her to start paying more to offset some of his expenses because he's struggling right now. So um, she is already making the decision to close up because she just can't carry the expense or the stress anymore. And then I've also heard from another clinic owner friend of mine that there's a whole bunch of RMTs on LinkedIn looking for jobs because it seems that a bunch of people are refusing to pay the rent at their own clinic. So now they don't have a job to go back to. Hmm. So this might thin the herd a little bit.
0: I'm just curious. Just curious.
1: But not for those who have grit. Right, Tracy? Gotta have grit,
2: man. Gotta have grit. <laughs> the Tracy Regusa word of the day. Everybody, grit.
1: What advice do you have? I'm other only than way, you gotta have her Dressed like
0: Richard Simmons, saying that. By the way,
2: I'm <laughs> not kidding you. Like you watch my Instagram. I'm going post to. This week.
0: I'm just picturing her I'm so doing, doing it, I'm just it. yelling, "You got to have grit."
2: <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so gonna do it. That's gonna be my caption. I love it. You want grit?
1: <laughs> well, aside from having grit, is there any advice you'd have for? Business owners, right now, on things they maybe should be doing or shouldn't be doing or focusing on or not focusing on while we're in this complete shitstorm of uncertainty. And,
2: and that's exactly what it is it's a shitstorm of uncertainty and where to start. Um, start with your clients, do things that you wouldn't typically do. Pick up, go back old school from the old school person, pick up the phone. People have time on their hands now, they'll talk to you, let them know what's going on, mm-hmm. connect personal connections with them. You know, and it also gets you motivated for what you started from, like why you're doing this. And it's for them, right? It's for you. Yeah, but it's also because of them. But it's not for them. We can't do what we do. And just call them. Ask them how they're making out. Tell them that you're thinking about them. Let them know that we're reopening. Let them know that you're reopening. So
1: connection is important to you.
2: It's it's huge to me. What huge. about
1: all of the social media posts you're seeing right now of people who are saying, you know, you should be working on your business and making business plans and,
2: you know, going it's hard funny.
1: on the it's marketing. Funny. What do you feel about that?
2: You know, it's it, it's really funny you say that because I was just about to say, yes, we need to be informed for what's happening. But it can also be consuming yep. um, in a yep. negative way. Like, you know, I think we talked about anxiety and touched on depression and stuff like that. And times like this, it can heighten it because people were living and vibrating in a more of a fear base right now. Yeah. So we don't know. It's the unknown. So one of the best things that we can do is not to completely disconnect because a lot of us feel that way now because we are in personal isolation but to actually get out there and reconnect. So, yeah, we can't do it face-to-face, but pick up the phone. Let them hear your voice. It goes a long way. And and if you're doing social media stuff, yeah, hit them hard, marketing, but you know what's going to happen to people? They're going to start to get anxious after a while. They're flipping through all these marketing videos and what you should be doing. And, yeah, it's great because you want to keep posting stuff. And and, and if you're going to post a quote, make it something that really means something to you. Like, there's so much stuff out there, that it's just like, you know... These, like, I I picture those, like, posters, you know, (laughs) team, what brings people together? I'm like, I'm going to puke, you know, like you can't fire a cannon from a canoe or whatever they are, (laughs) like all these, like, crazy things. And, you know, like, just if you're going to say something, say something real, say something that lets people know that you're still there put on a crazy fucking Richard Simmons outfit and workout (laughs) and put that on your Instagram page because people need to laugh right now too. You want to
1: know what's so funny? I was trying to find my phone to look at because two RMTs and a mic, posted an Instagram today. And I was trying to find my phone because I couldn't remember what the quote was to say like, is this what you're talking about? And as I was trying to grab my phone, because I'm working from my fucking bed and not my desk, I (laughs) dropped my phone between my bed and my headboard. (laughs) Oh man! This this is the world we live in now. I'm now trying to reach my phone behind my bed, and my arm is too big to get back there. All right, looks like I've been quarantine eating. Amazing. And and like,
2: look, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to preach what I think. I'm just trying to say just the stuff that I think that matters. And you might listen to what I'm saying and go, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and good do you? I'm just, you know. Saying that it goes back to the foundation right now. I think a lot of us are feeling very vulnerable. Yep. So connection is important. Like that's the biggest thing. Just stay connected. And however you feel comfortable, whatever your medium is, whether you're not comfortable picking up the phone, then do something on your social media page that makes you seem more human. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. I think at this moment, I understand the people who are, who are saying, you know, work on your marketing game and make a new strategic plan. And I, I get it. But at the end of the day, because there's so much uncertainty, like you said, we're in the middle of the unknown right now. And by the way, because I have little kids and we just watched Frozen 2 7,000 times, the uh, title song in that movie is Into the Unknown. So it's just playing over and over in my head right now. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) because we're in the middle of this and we don't know what's going to happen, I think there is a little bit of a danger in in going so hard and s- focusing so much on rebuilding your business and doing all of this marketing, because we we don't know what business is going to look like after this. You know, like I, yep. I get it, but I also, okay, I, by the way, I got my phone while you were talking. And the quote that two RMTs and the mic posted today was, follow your fuck yes, not your fears. Yeah, And you know what? I really loved that. Mark, Mark was the one that posted it, but I really loved it because at this point... I think some of the people who are trying to be so motivational and I'm not saying they're like, this is not an insult to anyone, but I think a lot of people are doing it out of fear, the fear of being left behind, fear of being forgotten, fear of, you know, want to, just wanting to make sure that people know that they're still there and they want to make sure that they're still in the front lines because they don't want to be one of the businesses that doesn't bounce back from this.
0: Yeah. I don't know. There's two there's two things when it comes to this whole social media thing that's happening. One There's a big difference between positivity and optimism. Yep. Cool. So, like, fuck positivity because positivity doesn't even matter at this point. Positivity is just like, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. Everything's just denying what's happening versus optimism is, you know, you, you can see a positive future, that type of thing, right? Yep. And... Social media posts are going mental now. I've never seen so many people fucking go live before in my life. Yeah, that's true. I've never seen so many types of sponsored and boost ads. And I think this is all going to fucking backfire big time because now the game has stepped up even higher. Like everyone has just made it harder for themselves to stand out now. Going live before, that might have been a little bit of a standout. Not anymore. Right? So now everyone's got to search for that Mm. next level up. It's insane. I'm actually purposely staying off of live just because I don't want to get lost in the mix of everything that's happening, that everything that everybody's doing.
1: Don't let that stop you from going live with your Richard Simmons
0: outfit. Oh, no, you do that. (laughs) You don't have a choice. You do that.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Question for you. Do you think that people are are, are kind of putting down social media, like not looking at Instagram as much, not being as connected to Facebook um, because... They're just so, there's an anxiety around it. I think
1: that people are actually looking at it more, whether they want to or not, because And at that this also point, might
0: be because there's an anxiety about exactly. it.
1: Exactly. I mean, I know myself, I don't mm-hmm. think I have ever been so glued to my phone I'm trying not to because again I've got two kids and I'm trying to run curriculum and keep them entertained and keep them fed and you know keep the house in order and also continue working like just
0: in general we're already we're already so tech we're already so tech yeah we're already you know deprived of you know Interpersonal connection, and now
1: we're not even allowed right? to. Connect and now you're not allowed to. So <laughs> the
0: only thing you have is the fucking tech shit that you always had, yeah. right? And now, so that's you just go bonkers on it.
1: I'm glued to my phone right now, and I'm trying not to be, but I find myself when there's a down moment where I'm not actually doing anything. I'm looking at my phone to see who's posted something, see, what new not news what is, is I'm there. Like I'm looking at, at everything.
0: Like, I'm 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 what all over Facebook, at? and I'm just. I'm just—it's like a show to me. I'm just watching what RMTs talk about all over the place. So, like, You're I'm a geek. Yes, I am a little bit. Uh, like, I'm in all of these massage mm-hmm. groups, like in the states, like you know, California, Florida, Colorado, New York, like all these different massage groups, and 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 the ones in Canada, obviously. And I'm just like so digging it. I just I get tripped out by some of the shit that people say. It I don't know. I can't explain it. Some of the stuff is fucking brilliant, and then some of the stuff is just like. Wow, I don't even want to say I'm an (laughs) RMT.
1: Oh man. Well, I'm really happy to hear that one, you're being optimistic, not bullshit and positive. You're being optimistic. You've got the grit. You know that you guys are gonna reopen again. You're continuing with business as usual in terms of upkeeping your place. Um, I love that you are actually reaching out to people and doing the personal connection, because I think that it, it it does help you to maintain the optimism is actually hearing your clients. You know, I had a client email me today and just say, I've been thinking about you. I know this must be so hard for you and your husband being self-employed. I hope you guys are okay. You know, and it's, it's just nice like that mm-hmm. to know that like these people are waiting for us to reopen, you know, they care, they're going to come back. They support our business. It helps, you know, to get rid of the, the fear the anxiety the negativity the sadness yeah so i'm i'm glad that it seems like things are looking up for you do you have any plans for when we go back to quote business as usual. Are you going to go back to business as usual or do you have any plans to change things up? Are you, are you planning anything different for when, you know, we can actually start working again?
2: I think the best way of looking at it, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how the whole uh, business side of things has changed. I don't intend on um, opening up with discounting and doing uh, things like that business as usual. Great customer service, treating people well, like we always do. Giving quality massage therapy treatments, giving quality float treatments, doing everything that we possibly can, and hiring our standards of clean, which are already there, and just staying consistent, you know, and just, and patiently seeing how it's going to unfold. And again, that doesn't mean that I'm being like, oh, I've got no plan. It's, let's see what this is going to look like when we do open again. Because I can say one thing to you now if we open in two weeks from now, and it might be a totally different story if we open at the end of June.
1: Well, that's an entrepreneurial mind. You know, you just be prepared for whatever. You know, you can't have a set in stone plan in a time like this because there is no certainty. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but on just your opinion. Mark has asked every guest we've had on since we've been in lockdown, mm-hmm. do you think that our industry is going to bounce back from this or do you think it's going to be drastically changed because of the fact that we are so intimate and up
0: close and personal with people? And, and on top of that, people at this point have found alternatives, right? right? They found substitutions. Mm-hmm.
2: I think we will. I think it might take a little bit of time. I think it's going to be um, building trust with people again. And it's unfortunate because we've done nothing as, you know, as a collective to lose that trust. It's not something that massage therapy has done. But when we got shut down for the proximity for what we do and for the whole touch component because of what we're going through right now, I mean, in 1970, we almost lost everything. Like if you go back, way back, the way that things were functioning, the float industry almost went under um, because of the fear of AIDS. Do you remember that? A lot of recreational facilities closed. Um, a lot of stuff happened. And yeah, the economy took a hit, but in time, it bounced back. Right. So I think the the real question is, I think it's going to bounce back, but how much, let's use the word again, grit, and how much time do we have? Like how long can we sustain a low grade mm-hmm. level? If it doesn't, if our bookings were, let's say 95% bookings, and we're booking in at 55%, how, how long can we run like that? Or 40%, right. you know? And, and I think it's just... Again, I know it sounds very ambiguous what I'm saying, but we don't know what it's going to look like until everyone's back up and running again.
1: And we don't even know when that's going to be. So, I mean, you can sound ambiguous, but there's no other choice. We don't know what is going to happen. And I think that unknown is both what initially was causing my anxiety and what now is preventing me from feeling anxious because I've just accepted the fact that I can't control the timeline and I can't control what's going to happen at this point. So I will control what I can control. And it's how I react to this, how I spend my days, where I put my energy. And I've, I've been very calm for the last week or so, just... Just waiting it out like everybody else because I keep reminding myself we are all in this together.
2: Huge. And I think that we have to continue to educate ourselves. We have to be um, even better and stronger than we were before. And for myself as an owner-operator, on the float side of things, I have to educate myself more, find out what's happening in the States, find out what new studies are on, being on the float collective more often. That's a website that we have with uh, float owners from around the world. Uh, Kind of like what Mark was talking about with this group of RMTs and share ideas and find out how we can make ourselves stronger. And the same for RMTs. Educate ourselves more. Make ourselves more of a dependable service. Make ourselves more of you need to have this in your life. And you do that by education and consistency. All right. I like it. Anything else you want to ask? Yes,
0: I do. Actually, I really want to. I really want to know this because I'm in therapy and I've been in therapy for a long time and I've kind of worked always generally in the same part of town. I know which clinics are completely fraudulent. Like, I can tell you that this place does fraudulent billing. This place here is owned by the medical doctor and he's in with the personal injury lawyer and they have that whole thing going on. So I can point out all those clinics. Can you do that? The same with float spas, because I've seen this on RMT groups, you know, that there's (laughs) exactly the billing for floating, RMT billing for no massage and all floating or something along Uh those lines.
2: You want to know something? I've had uh, a couple of calls with the CMTO, one before I opened. I just wanted to speak to somebody just to get a sense around, you know, I'm opening a float clinic. There's going to be more than one therapist working there. I want to safeguard my registration and that, you know, of the other therapist that's working there and just want to go over uh, receipts again. I took the record keeping course years ago and stuff like that. So it had a mm-hmm. general idea, but from my understanding, there's a gray area around it. So what they recommend is that you bill everything separately, right? So your massage therapy and float therapy is separate. I mean, if someone is going to have a massage with you and they take your number and they bill it under a mm-hmm. float, then you and I both know it's insurance fraud at the end of the day, but you haven't signed off on that. You signed off on your RMT right. receipt. We do massage and float packages and each service is split up. There's other places that will do things like, oh, move your head to the left, move your head to the right. Okay, that was a 15-minute assessment with an RMT. So now you can cover your float under oh this. God. Hey, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I'm not going to lose my business, my license, the license of my coworker for a $65 float. Right. It might take me longer to build, but it's not the way mm-hmm. to do it. And even if desperate times call for desperate measures, like we're not going to know what it's going to look like. I'm not all of a sudden going to say, hey, here's my RMT number. Why don't you put that on your 10 float mm-hmm. pack? And I'll sign off on it because that is hydrotherapy.
0: So you know all of the corrupt, now on, corrupt, such a hard word. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's just say a gray area, mm-hmm. is, right? There's, and, and there is, so there is gray. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to do what feels right for you as a business. And, you know, I'm sure that, some of the places that are doing it are not owner operators that are RMT. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure the guy that, uh, offered me the free float was not a RMT, nor should he be running a <laughs> business and dude <laughs> ghosted me. You There's you so could many be the guy, so many layers be the guy that's onion. on the podcast so right now promoting your float place <laughs> and I could be referring clients to you yet you chose not to talk to me. You chose not. And then... Come float for free. Don't call me. Well, before I forget about this, because you will be opening up again and you will be offering your services again, for anybody who's listening, who's interested in floating or wants to come check it out, can you give us some contact information for you, for your business, where people can find you?
2: Absolutely, at SarahFloatMassage.com. And
1: we found you on Instagram. What's your it's Instagram? The best.
2: My Instagram Best one, don't even ask me, best one to reach us at is at Float Massage is the best way. I,
1: I have one more question, actually, and this, yeah, yeah. this one
2: might be a
1: complete dumb question. But when I first started out as a massage therapist, I worked very closely with a chiropractor. And we treated a lot of the same clients and, you know, we worked really closely together and there were certain clients that we would recommend do their massage first or their adjustment first and you know, it it all depended on the person. Is there a recommendation when it comes to massage and floating? Like, do you do them the same day? Which is better first or second? Like, how do you work that out with your clients?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. It's um, it's individualized. So, someone who has a little bit more anxiety, let's say, and someone who's nervous for their first float experience, a massage is a really great way to get them to relax a little bit and then get inside the float afterwards. So, that's a really great mm-hmm. way to go. Or there's people, for example, who have just done a workout and they're coming in and they feel like they're very like tense from their exercise floating first is amazing helps relax the tissue a little bit more so by the time they're on the table they're a little bit more relaxed and like goop so it all depends on the individual
0: the added bonus of that they're clean
2: I, you know i thought the same thing you know what and you, can i tell you something i'm such a fan of that so when they come in yeah, maybe you want to have
1: your uh, float first, don't
2: do that. It's not right. wow what kind of business are we running
1: I'm, I'm actually just thinking we care. should probably open a, a float clinic now because there are certain clients i'd love you to throw care. in the shower before they came on my t- right <laughs>
2: So, we're going to send them to float with you first. And I know it's a bit of a drive, but then. Yeah.
1: Head over you know. to Burlington because the guy just north of me won't talk to me. Head over to Burlington, come back to Scarborough for your massage.
2: You know, if he ever caught wind of this, he'd be like, What? What have I done? I really hope he does.
1: I'm really upset with you, sir. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. This has been really
1: fun. I'm so glad we did a little bit of a lighter episode in such a a heavy, heavy time period. But it was also nice to talk about how you're handling the situation because... Like yourself, a lot of small business owners really don't know what the future is going to look like. So I think it's reassuring for people to hear what what the rest of us are doing and how we're all handling it. And again, as a reminder, I'm a broken fucking record. We're all in it together. That's a hashtag strategy.
2: Yep. Hashtag agreed.
0: Right on. It's been fun. Thank
2: you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. Oh yeah, this is great. And say hello to uh, your RMT colleague there.
2: I will. He's Absolutely. A what yeah, a mark yeah. student! I like that guy. He's a good man. Oh, you you know her Ridiculous, staff. right? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, it took him four weeks to tell me that. He was like, "How was your course?" I'm like, "My course was great." He's like, "Good men of very few words." Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and then he's like, "Good good teacher." This is like four weeks after, right? He's noticed I've taken the course and all this stuff. I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? I really liked him. I said, you know, connected really well with a group." And I'm talking a million miles a minute, and I'm getting like two words out of him. He's like, well. Oh, He was my teacher and he walks away. I'm like, okay. It took me four weeks.
1: Off mic, we're going to have to talk about who Uh this was.
0: (laughs) He's a good guy. He's a good guy. (laughs) Right on. This has been fun. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Purse.